when Sebastian Javinko finally returns to Toronto, but it's for Juventus? <laughs> it's not so nonetheless. That's of, right. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Mason, Nick Thornton. Nick, how are you? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good celebrating five years of chill soccer with you. <laughs> That's um, right. This is this was uh, you had you had let me know that a, a package was on its way, um, and I I uh, I was I was curious, you know, the uh, what can possibly be in. And my heart was warm so much. We'll post this online of this of these coffee cups. I'm drinking out of one of them right now, uh, with the with the show logo and coasters. I love it. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> when Nick is uh, up late at night on Vistaprint and decides, you know what? <laughs> this is a thing worth celebrating. I'm putting a thing on a mug. Let's Import- importantly, though, what is on the other side of the mug? Oh, yeah. The, that was the thing. Is that, like, um, you know, five years ago, we don't talk about it enough. Um, the, the logo that was created for the show is amazing. And it looks great. Um, and so, it, like, the, 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 the look is just like, oh, what a great logo. And then on the back of my mug, we have Rudy Camacho punching the knee. I'm <laughs> sure, sure I'm, I can't remember which player that is. Who, who's knee yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Freddie Montero's knee. <laughs> which don't get sent off on the cup. Amazing. Legendary, legendary moment. Legendary, <laughs> legendary mug. I feel like what is the, what is a moment that, really captures uh, the same level of achievement as us doing the show for five years as perhaps the greatest red card in MLS history. And I'm sure that, that there's many, many to choose from, but that's m- one of my personal favorites is just a bonkers <laughs> way to get sent off. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Um, there have been some, some amazing uh, bonkers things happening in the league since uh, we, we last talked. Um, Joseph Martinez. Um, <laughs> I had totally forgotten until you said his name. <laughs> got, Say no more. Got suspended uh, for. Uh, you had it. Got suspended. For never mind. I retract my statement. He didn't get sent off. He got suspended. He got, so. sus- he got sent off from 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 the league. <laughs> For do, for doing what exactly again? Well, you seem to have you seem to have some details that that I had seen, but I had heard you know um, he flipped he flipped some sort of a table. He made a big noise, and then the manager came in and uh, Gonzalo Pineda, and they got up. They had to be separated in the locker room. Okay, so I didn't have that detail. The only detail I bring to this is that apparently there was a bunch of chicken and rice on the table. Um, <laughs> which, which, like, to be clear, I don't condone flipping tables as a way to express your emotions uh, in the workplace. Well, I had to pause and think about that. Maybe I do in some circumstances. <laughs> but chicken I do certainly everywhere. do not. If you've got the game, the post-game meal on a table and you're flipping that, like, all jokes aside, that is some disrespectful shit right there. This is so And wild. I'm also it's... just like so <laughs> like you're knackered and you're like oh well, at least I've got some chicken coming to me. I don't know no. what I don't know what has happened this month. Everyone is everyone has lost their mind. Right? 
right um, everywhere. I'm a big I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and there was that there was the the reported backstage fight where somebody threw a chair and also bit another person. There's this drop dead darlings. Uh, movie promotional tour fracas. There's people for some reason are become are 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 knocking loose. It, it is an unhinged time, and specifically, <laughs> also very unchill soccer. May I say, very unchill. Uh, I was quite happy to just keep going with chill soccer mode. I've been chill soccering everything else in my life, but I didn't get the memo. <laughs> We're supposed to just collectively. Choose violence now. <laughs> that was when we. That was when we pop up. The the. Uh, I haven't done a list of that so MLS moments, but I feel like in the last couple of weeks you could have um, the combination of. Uh, you could have the thing, the. Um, Orlando City accused of spying on Sacramento ahead of a open cup That's tie. Right. Yeah. Uh, you could. That was have, a weird one. Uh, Vanny Sartini referring to a soccer orgasm <laughs> in a Whitecaps press conference. That was uh, definitely a high point. Uh, Tiago uh, Martins for New York City FC boots the ball in his own goal and New York City still win the game. <laughs> yeah, the, it was a very that's so MLS week before we even got to the, <laughs> a lot of the MLS <laughs> games. What, I mean, in terms of news... I mean, I wrote down a bunch of items over the last few weeks, and, and some are a little bit dated now, and I'm sure people know by now. But we should, I feel like, do just a bit of a run-through of some of these things. We don't necessarily need to go into great detail of all of them. Um, one that stood out to me is Luchi Gonzalez is back. He'll be uh, head coach of San Jose starting in January 2023, I believe. Well, I know a lot of people were surprised that he was let go by Dallas in the first place, and... and... Um, I think that this has been a strange, a strange year for, for San Jose. And I feel like this is the topic of discussion whenever it comes up. Um, but they have something here and they have something like, like progressively more every year than they did the year before. But like, they're still at the, they're still rooted to the very bottom of the Western Conference. Um, I believe to the Western Conference. Yeah, DC is still worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, I mean, but yeah, they they have needed they like but having a manager and a manager like Gonzalez who who was able to in Dallas you know really um, have the whole club approach um, to managing a team. It, I think that that can only like. The momentum is there, or not the momentum is there. The players are there, and somebody has to turn that into results because it's just, you know, a, the, to to have a team that you know year in year out becomes the, is, is near the table is just it's it's never a fun exp, uh, situation to experience, and um, and the players there are too good for that. Yeah, I think I mostly agree with that. I think, like, a good chunk of the players are there. I still think that there's <laughs> some room for improvements. But you're right. I mean, and especially given the amount of money that San Jose has spent in the last few years to sort of rebuild and reshape this team, I agree. I mean, I think Lucha Gonzalez is a great coach 
on any MLS team or any team, but I think the defensive Dallas that we know now today, um, you know, they've only given up 35 goals in MLS. That's actually one fewer than LAFC, who are also, as we know, a very defensively sound team. Like, I think that he brings a defensive mindedness and as you said, like a whole team approach that actually doesn't need to like wildly twist apart and reshape this team. I think it's going to be a little bit of tinkering and still a project, but I agree like the bones of a good team are there. And I think that's sort of why, you know, the white caps in San Jose, whenever we play, there's for, at least for me and I know other white caps fans, it, it sort of feels like we're, we, we always kind of have each other's number <laughs> sometimes, but neither of us is particularly good, you know, like it. <laughs> we, so yeah, it's, the, it's one of those situations where it's like, I feel for you guys. I want you to be doing better than you are, but not better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But as I think Sartini said today, cause I've, Forget who San Jose is playing next, but I believe it's a Whitecaps opponent who could be knocked down some points. Maybe it's RSL, but Venny was like, I think I'm going to go on their store and buy a scarf or something. <laughs> that is the way so it's, it's we all got it. We all got to be a San Jose Earthquakes fan at some point in the season. And frankly, I might miss them from the bottom of the table should Lucci arrive and work wonders with them. But I mean, they can't get defensively worse, right? Right? <laughs> they can't get worse. What a, what a, um, what a rousing, <laughs> yeah, what no. a rousing fairy. Spoken like a true Whitecaps fan, eh? Don't they, worry, guys, I'm here to pick you up off, uh... <laughs> San Jose plays, San Jose plays Seattle and Minnesota and LA in the last three games. Oh, okay, well, yeah, Nokari, well, I might be buying a scarf too then. Um, yeah, so the, the other, I, I guess, development at that end of the Western Conference um, so I don't know. There's one more thing I wanted to ask. I didn't. I didn't catch this at first. So um, Gonzalez is a part of the U.S. men's national team um, coaching setup for the men's World Cup in Qatar. Right. He's not going to. He's he's going to do that first. Yes. Um, and I believe the the blog post I read about it when it happened. I believe said like he's talking to the team he's engaged with the front office like he's there ish now um but he can't be there in a full capacity until the end of the world cup that's right. and i feel like that's maybe not the worst thing in the world either like you know lord knows the world needs more change management but maybe it's okay to have an interim coach for a bit see out the season you know, know that you know who the new coach is going to be. You're going to start to see and feel his influence bit by bit. And then in January, you can start fresh. The World Cup is done. All the focus can be back on the team. It's like, it's kind of rare to have that opportunity, right? Like things are usually you yeet the coach out of there. And then, you know, eight weeks later, you've got some new guy arriving. So, yeah. It's it's the kind of hire that... that that you think needs to be simultaneously every every fan of any team that ever had this happen to them. It's like, we have to prepare, we have to make a plan. And then, but it's not, it's not something you can ever plan because you can't, you can very rarely be openly hiring for a new coach while you currently have a coach. Um, so hopefully this is a, this is a good run-up. One, uh, also at the bottom of the Western Conference, um, Houston. <laughs> 
is uh, is discharged, Paolo Nagamura. That's right. Um, the former Chivas USA, Toronto FC, LA Galaxy player, um, is sporting Kansas City, where he got his his, his coaching start with their second team. Um, mm. There was some there was some real optimism at the beginning of this year uh, when he took over in Houston, um, but they are also in a position where they did not get any results that might have you might have hoped. No, and like I just happen to have the table open right now, and I'm looking at it, and I felt this way about Houston anyway. It's like for the amount of money they spent, big money this year, and they brought in some incredible players. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely one of those people. This like last year it was Minnesota for me. This year it's Houston, where I'm like, it's gonna be their year. They've got something, and then they just beef it out of the gates and continue to suck for the whole season. Um, but they've got this. The exact same goals for and the exact same goals difference as SKC. And the reason why I think that's notable is because Sporting Kansas City has dealt with tremendous amounts of injuries and just, like, weird circumstances that are kind of out of their control. Houston hasn't, really. (laughs) Like, you shouldn't be underperforming that much with the firepower that you've brought in. Um, And, I, I mean, I had no feelings for or against Nagamura, but I think it's fair to say uh, underachieved this season. This is a weird season to be like a rebuilding club or, or a club that's hoping to like you know gain some momentum. Just lay down a solid one and, and, and see where the chips lay because in both conferences, it's like if you were if you were a team that you know lined up between the bottom like in the bottom six of the conference. Not necessarily going for a playoff spot, but you're in the, in the last you know year. You're trying to at the beginning after the first like quarter of the season, and you're wanting to try and get up. All of a sudden, it's like in this year, it's like, oh, I have to do this against Colorado, who won the Supporters Shield. I have to do this against Seattle. I have to do this against Toronto. I have to do this against New England. Like it's a it's yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. It's not fun for anyone right now that is like, well, we we. Um, we fell asleep for the first half, but what if we just sort of like figured it out? Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. The way that teams have invested and rebuilt and followed suit behind other teams that have kind of paved the way, it's it's tight in every conference. You know, I mean, so, yeah. Defensively, I have notes for some teams, but like it's really tight. I mean, in the in the West, it's already looking like forty eight points still isn't a guarantee to get you into the playoffs. And that's with seven or six other teams. So <laughs> it's it's tight. It's tight still. You you have to achieve at a much higher level than um, some of these teams have. So I, I get the reshaping of things. And I don't believe Houston has a, a new coach lined up yet. One of the um, older one, one of the older news items that I think is still worth noting is that the MLS uh, youth rules have changed. Um, there has been. Uh, essentially for the longest time, youth territories were treated as, like, you know, uh, a club stopping grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, more or less, you couldn't really sign academy players without from another team's area without negotiating with them. It might be an oversimplification, but, but more or less. And now, essentially, clubs are asked to fill out protected lists that include the players that are in their academy and also players that aren't in their academy, but that they 
still have their eyes on. Um, mm. And if you, uh, so look, that's still pretty expansive in terms of who you can protect, but there is no longer a feeling if you're not in the system for a club, um, you can now do what you want to do. You don't have to, you, you don't have to move, and you don't have to, you know, um, you don't have to try to, if you're trying to, if you're a kid trying to further your career, you don't have to deal with a club that essentially was nicer to do in the first place. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard and read, it it seemed like it was always kind of a thing that just ended up meaning a lot of good players missed out on opportunities more than something that seemed like an overly efficient way of doing business. We talked about it, about it a bit at the beginning of the show. A strange drumbeat has, has gone ever since, almost almost immediately after Sebastian Javinko left Toronto, where he... I think even before he left, they were like, when's he coming back? <laughs> this, is, this is coming back. I'm still here. Back. I'm still playing. His run in Qatar didn't exactly, you know, the, the money didn't... The, 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 it, it wasn't going exactly the way that he was hoping, I feel. Um, the the attempts that Toronto had to, to find a player until they, they lined up on Zuello, um that, that could really fill that gap. You know, Ignacio Piatti didn't do it. Um, they didn't quite... They couldn't find, a, a I guess, a replacement until they signed about two or three more Italians. Um... <laughs> But there was always this talk about even even after they the club had seemed to firmly move on of like, well, what if they bring him back as like you know a bonus, a bonus guy or like you know improve the locker room or whatever. Well, none of that is happening because he is back with a Juventus shirt, but he will be able to wear that shirt in Yorkville because he will be. Uh, he will be, uh, uh, he's moving to the Juventus Academy Toronto. Right, in Yorkville. Well, no, he, he just likes it. Oh. I, uh, oh. He, I just, it's an it's a area It's in the Toronto. only place he can afford a house? <laughs> it's an area in Toronto with trendy restaurants. Ah, I see, I see. The, 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 Apologies to Yorkville residents. The place is a, the place is a, well, they're very wealthy, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, they don't listen to the show. <laughs> um, the uh, the so essentially he's uh it's it's interesting because he's always talked about the fact that you know his daughter was born in Toronto, he has connections there. Obviously, they love him there. Um, and you know it's one of those. I don't know how truly active Juventus Academy is. It's been around for a couple of years, but. Um, but it'll be it, it will certainly raise the profile in the area to have uh, a person like working um, in and around the area. Yeah, like I mean, I'm sure you'll see him at a, a game or two, or maybe make a couple of public appearances or something. But I mean, I guess closer, <laughs> <laughs> like almost, but not quite. Um, we also had the U.S. Open Cup wrap-up. I know that that happened a, a while ago, but just to refresh people's memories, Orlando beat uh, Sacramento 3-0. Uh, 
um, whatever spying things might have gone on. I mean, I feel like it's just a really silly thing to do because, like, what do you even really get out of that? You're like, ah, yes, I see they, too, are going to be running around kicking the ball. (laughs) Like, from a distance, how much can you really interpret? I mean, presumably you've watched tape and you know how they play somewhat, but... Uh, yeah, and I don't like I don't know how much of that got confirmed or anything. Um, but I think from what I saw of the game, I think it's fair to say Orlando just bested Sacramento. Sacramento, of course, had a, a beautiful Cinderella run and overcame a lot of obstacles, ousted a lot of great MLS teams and some not so great ones to get to the final. It was a great run. My favorite moment of this whole thing is the videos of the Sacramento players arriving off their plane at the airport with a bunch of fans cheering them and greeting them. Like Aww. That, to me, restored some faith in this batshit world where I'm like, is it that hard to just show up for your team after, you know, a sound defeat? Like, I thought that was a nice moment, and I'm sure it felt good for the players, too, to be recognized. Because it sucks when you do that kind of run, and then it just ends... I, I think it's important to market in some way. Um, we that uh, with the the I think that that seems like it was a people were excited to have the tournament back. The the Sacramento storyline, of course, energized it, um, especially because you know Sacramento is is a market that has had its own um, stumbling relationship with with the top flight. So yeah, I think that's that's also huge for for them to really experience that. With regards to this allegation, I guess the thing, it's kind of almost less like it is a way to get a clear, you know, advantage than like it's just something you shouldn't do. It's just a place that the, the staff member shouldn't go. I'm seeing in, in the athletic that somebody came up to this individual who was standing in a place where he shouldn't have been standing during the, the background practice. And, um, or they, uh, I don't think it, it was made clear, um, but they were essentially told, you know, you should leave, and they stayed there for 30, 30 to 45 minutes? Like, you can't, that's beyond the, uh, that's beyond the level of plausible de- uh, deniability. Oh, no, I've lost my contact lenses, and, it, and I had to come into this closed practice to look for them. Yeah. And it, I mean, like, and if nothing else, it's just like, it's just bad karma. You don't want to, tar- like, if you're going to go win, win. I mean, to me, it's sort of like <laughs> an admission that you're not really ready and that you're terrified of this lower league opponent. Like, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that you would expect reported about, like a classical kind of thing, not from Orlando. It's not a good look. Don't do it. Heading into the international break, we had the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, is trying to get um, trying to get on the UEFA working group on migrant worker compensation for for the World Cup. It looks like there's you know nations are thinking the the push to try and move this thing to Germany obviously is not going to happen anymore. Uh, no, or or to another country. And, I think that this is a huge, this is a huge thing we continue to grapple with. You know, this is happening, um, but can it be participated in in any um, in any way that is possible? It seems like some of these countries that are taking part in it are trying to think, well, we're going to try and we're going to try and participate 
Oh, I'm going to be wearing an armband in support the whole time. So I guess the U.S. Soccer Federation is being is being talked to about it. They they are asking about it. Um, they're not in it because it is the UEFA group, but it would be you know obviously a torch is really stronger um, if more people are in it. Um, it's stated in the review in the or the report in the Athletic that um, they are also trying to get. Um, Canada and Costa Rica, among other North American uh, countries, to take part. Um, obviously, a lot of this is the, the the horse is out of the barn on a lot of this. Um, it's good to try and, and and make this right in some way, but at the same time, it's like what action could you possibly take? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it it does also feel like you know, probably too little, too late. I also recognize that, like, a lot of social movements have changed since Qatar bot, I mean, was awarded the <laughs> World Cup. And people maybe feel differently about things now and become more aware of things like worker rights and migration. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> I think the, like I said, karma's a thing. We'll see how it all goes. I... I hope that something, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I hope for. I, I f- kind of feel like it's it's one of those things, like you said, like the train's left the station, it's already happening. Um, hopefully some proper compensation can make it its way to the workers, but I'm, I'm really not very optimistic about that. Um, so look forward to that in the... <laughs> Yeah, look look get... forward to our uh, World Cup lead-up shows. They're really inspiring as ever. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, we had you know a pretty packed week where there was um, basically the the games on full match weeks on both weekends and a match week in midweek and the Campbell's Cup. That's right. I'm there's so many cups that have happened. Um, because now we're also, as we speak, the League's Cup is happening. And I was like, didn't we just do this? Didn't New York City win it? But no, this, that's a different one. But what we're talking about is the New York City FC win. And they get another tiny banner, which is great for them. Yeah, so this is basically like a Super Cup, right? Is that the situation? Or is it like a... Is, it, was it, was it, is that the deal with this thing? Like there's four teams... Are like the, the the regular season. I didn't look it up. <laughs> I remember knowing this at one point. Okay, the winners... I do too. But what confused? So the league's cup showcase is the thing that's happening right now. That was the Nashville America match last night and the RSL Atlanta. But the Campiona's Cup, I believe, is it's the top two regular yeah. season. Okay, so teams? for some reason, I thought right? I had heard that there were sub, there were semifinal teams, but no, it's just the two regular season champions. It's your CFC, who are the holders of the MLS Cup, versus Atlas, who are the the holders of the Campeones the Campeones uh, title um, holders by by virtue of having placed first in both the Aperture and Clausura. I feel like they knew this when they came up with their slogan that is at the top of their website that says, one game, one champion, one cup. I just remember somebody talking about, for some reason, being in the semifinal of the Champions League. 
Are there more than two things in the Super Cup? Is that even possible? Well, um, New York City... Not to take any shine off the win, guys. <laughs> New York City, uh, as we try to figure out what is happening, Atlas is also um, currently losing one nothing to RSL. Uh, well, that'll if, happen to you. I don't know if that's a, the... the a, you know, I don't know if they're having a rough season or something, but... But essentially, the um, New York City made pretty quick work of this. Yeah. Um, and it was a great performance for a New York City team that, let's face it, has really, really struggled uh, over the summer. So I was kind of surprised, but obviously a great win for them to, to sort of reignite the, the fact that they are, in fact, a trophy-winning team. That's right, reassert themselves, because it's kind of, I feel like the um, the momentum sort of shifted somewhat. New York City, I think at the very beginning, New York City seemed like they were also going to continue to be dominant, and then LAFC seemed like they were going to be super dominant, and now there is, I guess, I feel more of a, um, more of a groundswell around Philadelphia. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Philly's clinched for playoffs, uh, Montreal as well. The Red Bulls, curiously. Um, those have all clinched in the East. And then in the West, we've got Austin, LAFC, and Dallas. We'll get to the West. We'll get to the Western <laughs> yeah. Conference playoff situation. We'll, we'll get to the West. Um, yeah, I think we should probably get into the games. And I think that'll also cover some of our, our news items. But, yeah, obviously there's a lot to catch up on. I was going to lead um, into Philadelphia with that, but Philadelphia had oh. a nil-nil draw this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which I think it is important to point out, though. I think that this is a really important point for Atlanta. Um, like, I know that Atlanta's season has not gone according to plan, but they're not out of things just yet. And of course, three points would have been great, but I don't think anyone was really expecting that from them. Um, and to go up against Philadelphia and test Andre Blake, like they did, although, you know, it's Andre Blake. So he was successful at doing what he always does. I think this is a good result for Atlanta. Philadelphia had gone from, from, the 2 nothing winning over the Red Bulls, who they are in direct competition with, and blowing the doors off of Orlando 5-1, um, who is also a very good team to to this nil-nil draw. So I think I totally agree with you in terms of this, the, the idea that, like, um, any point right now keeps you alive. You know, Atlanta is, Atlanta is two points back, um, and everything is still in play for them. Uh, with two games remaining. Yeah, I mean, I think any team can be forgiven for not scoring against Philadelphia. The fact that they also did not get scored against, I think, is a good sign for Atlanta. Um, and, and something to hopefully rally around. And if they can reintegrate Joseph Martinez and work out all the locker room drama, there's there's no reason. Like, this is the time where teams are made in, in terms of galvanizing and, and sort of getting around each other. I mean, they're two points off the playoff line with a struggling Columbus ahead of them and inter Miami. That's been hot. Like Atlanta's got to do the business to get above the playoff line and it still may not be enough, but 
to be to stall a team like the Union, yeah, that's that's a good result. When you're a team like Orlando that had that embarrassing loss, I always hate, you know, whenever 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 somebody gets beat so bad that they well, obviously the manager didn't change, but like like a, a super embarrassing win, you're you're next up after them, or a super embarrassing loss, you're next, next up after them. I don't I don't know how to feel about it because it's like, well, simultaneously their momentum could still be bad, or they could be pissed. <laughs> want to yeah. They want to turn it around. And Orlando lost by four, and then turned it around. And this past week, uh, beat Toronto four nothing. Yeah, they sure did take it out on Orlando or take it out on Toronto, didn't they? Oh man, I watched this game, and like, you gotta say the DPS are certainly earning their paychecks. They're putting in the effort. You see them tracking back and doing good defensive job, but. To me, the whole team just looks kind of haggard, slow, and out of ideas. Like, just just plodding along and with not a lot of urgency. And when it, there is urgency, it's just so disjointed. And the thing that I can't figure out is that they also have a lot of academy players on their team. <laughs> like, I can understand there being errors, but the lack of chemistry for a pretty consistent lineup a bunch of academy players that should all understand the team system. It just, it doesn't quite look right. I don't think it's unsalvageable by any stretch, but, I mean, Orlando definitely put the boots to them, and Toronto didn't really at many points look like they had much to offer back. Here's a couple problems that I have with the, the, you know, Toronto has been around since 2007, that's the that's the Beckham year, right? Teams have been trying this half season approach for a new player year in year out. And it mm. almost never works. And I don't know if anybody thought this is the time that it's going to work, but it didn't work. Um, I think that, the, that that's clearly there was a at the halfway point. I had this this level of stress of like, are they just going to start you know blowing the doors off everyone? Uh, that hasn't happened. And, and you're right that it's not that the DPs have not had success, but I think that if you have, you know, they got they dug too deep of a hole before they got there. And more importantly, to this point about energy, you said, you know, like, I think there has been some big discoveries on this team. You know, names that people were not familiar with, that, um, that people are now, like, really uh, getting... Like people are really getting behind. People are. This has, in in some sense, has been um, been a great time for that. But also, these players are tired. They're beat now that they're here. Yeah. You know, uh, Jaquelli Marshall Ruddy, Marshall Ruddy is one of the ones I was thinking of. And then what's the other one? He's balling. He's got a lot of Is it Kerr? I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about Jaden Nelson. Mm-hmm. Get both mm-hmm. of those, in, both of those two, in Noble Taylor are in the su- supplemental spots, and, and I feel like they've been beneficiaries of all this. One other big, I think, failure of this integration, um, and obviously, I know they probably didn't. They they were able to plan out um, Insignia, but I don't know how much they were able to plan out the uh, arrival of Bernadeschi um, and Crescido. But I just think that. If you go back to that David Beckham 
galaxy teams. You go back to, to the other teams where where big moves like this, big big you know transformative moves like this have been planned for a franchise. Um, and Toronto is no exception. Um, the Landon Donovan of it all, you know, somebody who has been around with the team who is also considered a big star in the team. I think moving Pozuelo is the wrong move. I think that it, it's one thing to there's obviously some some familiar faces that that fans and other players can can get behind like Jonathan Osorio, but it's just I think that I think that everything changing so fast. You relied on these young players all year, and all of a sudden now you have this little change in the guard. I just think that, that would be better yeah. to. Have a familiar face in the in the uh, leadership attacking role. Yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I think that again the pieces are there. Um, DeAndre Kerr, that's the player I'm thinking of, the homegrown forward. I like him. I like a lot of these players. I like they've got a good young squad. But for me, it's like watching this Orlando game. Larea comes on, or maybe he started. He's just kind of going on these aimless runs and firing balls into nowhere. And I'm like, well, that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Like, shouldn't he be excelling in that role? Like, what has changed? Um, it should have been, and that's why they loaned him back, is to come in and hit the ground running. And I, I certainly don't put it on his shoulders. It, it just says to me, again, the team isn't set up in a way that that makes a lot of sense. And also as we are always painfully reminded, it's not just the players you pick, it's their mentality, it's their uh, fatigue levels, it's form, it's a, it's a whole lot of things that it takes for a team to actually be successful. You can't just plug in 11 good players and expect them to win, because often they don't. Um, the other, uh, the other Eastern Conference Canadian team um, his, as you noted, Montreal has been, been enjoying a decent uh, postseason resurgence. You had that. We love to see a Kai Kamara hat trick. We simply do. Yep. Um, which was which was from the past the two weekends ago. Um, but they also were able to get that um, one nothing win away in New England. On yeah. The 17th. Yeah, and I mean, like, New England has looked pretty battered and down for a, a good while now, but another win. Um, in their game against Columbus, Caleb Porter called them the best team in MLS. And I don't know that I'd necessarily call them the best, but in terms of consistency and winning, like, they're up there. Um, they just keep doing the damage to teams and i think it's you know like we've talked about montreal i think a, a fair enough chunk this season and i of course have fixated on their defensive weaknesses but the thing is like for all the goals they've conceded they've still been overall quite good and uh you know they're sitting second place so life is all right new york city had a little bit of a dip as you noted but um they took on New York Red Bulls in the uh, in the local rivalry match, um, and you might wonder, oh well, are they able to? Are are is how is this going to play out? Well, one minute in, <laughs> Alexander Callens yep. gets the header off of a Maxi Morales corner, 
um, to get to establish what would become a two nothing game for uh, for City. Yep, another one wrapped up for them. I don't know. Red Bulls have just cratered. That's where I was like, they've clinched third place in the playoffs. Or the, well, they've clinched a playoff spot. They haven't necessarily clinched third place, I guess. Um, but they've just been so bad. And then there was the whole weird Drew Yearwood, like, kicking the ball into the stands and hitting a fan in the face and that interaction. Like, just, like, what's going on there, Red Bulls? What, like, <laughs> it's such a, you guys all right? No, first of all. Second of yeah. all, I, I, they, they're a team that, um, and obviously I need to be watching a little, I need to, to, to really be taking them in maybe a little more than I do, but it hasn't really been, see, seems like there's an easy way to point to, like, um, well, how did, you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? <laughs> um, they've, like, been fine, but I would say that they've got, like, a player that his... I'm, I'm briefly uh, panicky looking at the stats page to make sure I don't have like a league top scorer. But it's like the you know the, the what are, who are the players that you talk about the most? I wouldn't say that um, they've got the interception leader <laughs> in, in, in the stats. I just think that they're they well. Have, I think they were. They did the thing, and this this makes an interesting point about the league and what it takes to get into the playoffs. Is as crap as they've been, they started the season really, really strong, and defensively they've been able to hold on enough. I mean, they've had some blowouts. I think their their goals against belies things a little bit because they've been conceding a lot of goals recently. But like, they they're have they failed upwards? Is that <laughs> like? And I mean, they've got a lot of homegrowns as well. They've picked up points along the way at crucial times. And I guess what I'm saying is, like, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And Red Bulls find themselves clinching a playoff spot, even though they've had a bad stretch. So, uh, I don't know, though. I don't know what to su suggest there. <laughs> what I'd change other than, like, have more better players? Two teams on the outside that were hoping to look in um, were Charlotte and Chicago, who had a, a honestly a pretty rollicking contest um, with the home team going up two goals, and then in the second half, Charlotte just having an, uh, just having a, uh, an outrageous performance, capped off by a 96-minute winner by Swiderski. Yeah, man, I feel bad for Chicago. Like, not just because of the, the losing track record, but I, again, another team that I really felt like something about this season could have been a lot different. And, you know, you're like, all right, they're playing Charlotte. Charlotte, we know, can do the do the business, but sometimes a little shaky. Chicago goes up 2-0, and you're like, all right, three points on the board for the fire, and then three unanswered goals. Um, and it, And it just... Like, I only watched the highlights for it, but, like, you just watch a team completely collapse. Like, it just, it's really a, a thing to sort of marvel at how a team can just switch off and just be so second best to everything at a certain point. Um, 
and just allowing way too many recycled balls, like not able to clear it more than a few meters out of their own box. Nobody covering the players sitting at, waiting at the top of the box. It's just like, you know, full credit to Charlotte for getting back into this one. But Chicago just collapses like a house of cards. After Chicago beat Miami last weekend, um, in a time of the year where you just can't, in these packed playoff races, you can't be giving up anything. Um, Miami then get, got the midweek win against Columbus, and then uh, were able to uh, get the away in, in their own sort of away uh, away game thriller, uh, get the win in D.C. That's right. Who knew? Who knew that at this point in the season we'd be talking about the run of Inter-Miami, who's just clinging on to seventh place just above the playoff line in the East right now. But they've... It's kind of been a bit of a, a revelation late in the season. And as much as it pains me to say, like, they look like a team. Like, they actually play like a honest-to-goodness whole soccer team. Um, yeah, this it was a great match. Um, Iguain has been fantastic all of a sudden. Um, Campania had two goals again. It kind of, the game was definitely marred by an alleged on-field racial slur used by Taxi Fountas. Um, I haven't heard if there's any update to that. It's being investigated. Yeah, I heard it was being investigated. Essentially, there was a, um, there was a allegation that, that there had been a, a verbal altercation in as they were, as the players were walking away from, um, from each other, uh, that, that a, a racial slur was used allegedly by Funtis. Um The players then, as, as well I think they should, um, regardless of what happens with, you know, I, my understanding is that they checked bar and bar didn't find it, uh, but that doesn't mean it wasn't picked up or, or whatever. And I just really appreciate the fact that um, players basically said, like, we're going to, we we are going to put a stop to this. We appreciated we have we have appreciated in the past, you know, um, the San Diego loyal game, mm-hmm. where where players you know threatened to bring it to a stop. We haven't seen something like that happen in MLS, and it almost did. Um, you know, they no action was taken against the player, but he was subbed out by the coach. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that's the very least you can do. Um, but I I think that at least from the inter-Miami side of things, I think that Neville handed, handled it well, and he sort of spoke about in the press conference. Unfortunately, it is something he has experience with, um, and sort of like the priority of checking in on the player first. Um, we'll see what happens with it. I mean, it's it's just... It, it is, it's unfortunate for all kinds of reasons and, and awful, but... Um, you know, for an Inter-Miami team that, that is doing so well, and then to hear DeAndre Edlin in the press conference say, like, this doesn't feel like a win. Like, bad, bad time. Yeah, just, it's just, it's really shitty. One thing I was going to point out was that uh, um, Christian Benteke, who uh, was brought in in August uh, from the Premier League, uh, got, his, uh, got his goal on his debut. That's right. I wasn't so sure about that signing, but like you know, maybe it makes sense. He's not somebody I would have thought of as to be the the you know the the obvious pick for a um, an MLS rehabilitation run. Um, but you know, with 
with the with the man in charge there running it, you you've got to you got to look at the um, that this could be a that this could be a good environment for him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, I don't think all the uh, cliches about retirement leagues aside, like if you if you think you can get juice out of a good player in any league, I think you should do it. Right. Of course, well, it doesn't always work out, but like, I don't know. Do we have stats on like, does it work out for the younger players? Like a good player is a good player. And if you can score goals, then I think you can play at any club. So why even, not? Why not Ben Teke? I don't even think it's like necessarily a retirement league run. He's 31. It's for a striker. That's not, that's a little on the older side, but, um, but I look at the, the just, just the improved vibes. Sure. You know, just a just a chance to stretch the legs and maybe regain some of that energy that you uh, that you might be missing or that you might feel that you need. Um, the I think that more or less covers the the Western Conference. Uh, Columbus is in the mix. Um, got a uh, had what I, if I recall a loss to Portland, tie to Portland. A, a, a tie to Portland that probably felt like a loss to a lot of them. Just a Super, super wild game. Um, I think this was like the sixth or seventh game in a row where, or time this season, perhaps, uh, that Columbus has given up a goal in the 75th minute or post 75th minute. Um, And Columbus like looked really good for many stretches of this game, but it was like, yeah, there's some sort of curse that around the 75th minute, the levels just drop. I'd also say too, like, we know Portland loves a late comeback and some drama. <laughs> like we know the Timbers love to spoil parties and, and, and score some dramatic goals late in games. What a, um, what a show they, they were, what a show they offered. What a show they offered. Santiago Moreno fires a ball off his fallen teammate, Bill Tuloma, who's on the pitch and is looking up like, what? And uh, Santiago Moreno is like, I think, I could volley this. I'm going to need your face for a second. Kicks it at his face, comes up, controls it, smashes it in. You will never see a better gift than Caleb Porter's reactions to this goal. Um, and then at the final whistle, he and a bunch of other players race and confront the referees. And I get, they were happy, unhappy with a number of calls. There were definitely some fouls that were uh, let go in this game. But I feel like this one is like, if you're upset, look in the mirror. Um, you don't like things like that becoming habits. Full credit to Portland for fighting their way uh, back into it. But you don't want things like that to become a pattern. And Columbus had been so steady and so strong for so much of the season defensively too. And now they're on the outside looking in at Inter-Miami. You got to win your games. How? Turns out. How? The, the, with the... You know the the rapid on, onslaught of time. The person I was on July seventeenth um, was a totally different person, different age. Um, as a matter of fact, but in that period of time, Cincinnati has not lost a game. <laughs> That's unreal. <laughs> that. Is unreal. They had. Um, uh, let me just count exactly how many that is. That's that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten match on beaten streak 
um, including last two weekends ago, 1-1 against New York City, 6-0 destruction of San Jose, and then a visit to Salt Lake where they came away with the uh, 2-1 win. That's right. They've also scored uh, more goals than New York City, which is a thing I didn't think I would ever say. But, like, I think it's Daniel Brenner. (laughs) I mean, it's the whole team. There's a lot of great things on this team. But, um, wait, his first name's not Daniel, is it? Is it? Is it just Brenner? I feel like I've been here before. Yeah, it's a, he's a yeah, it's it's Brenner Brenner Susan De Silva, so I think it's just Brenner. I think I just knew a guy named Daniel Brenner one time and I've just inserted his name into this podcast. Hi Daniel. Um, the, <laughs> Hi <laughs> Yeah, it's been amazing. Brenner has been great. Um the the things that we have always wanted for Cincinnati uh, have come about in terms of that that cohesiveness, um, that, ab- that ability to um, to channel their quality and get goals, it has been uh, it's been a, a marvelous time for a team that has not always had a marvelous time. Yeah, I think a, a pretty distinctly bad time a lot of the time. Um, Brenner has a brace in this one. You know, RSL they have their opportunities. They look okay. Um, Chang scores first for RSL. And then they can't sustain the attack. And since he just decide, okay, we'll turn on the screws. You know, I don't know at this point how many teams need to learn that you shouldn't leave stray balls in the box for Brenner to mop up. But they did that. Um, RSL did get a penalty, which was saved. And Cincinnati just, like, I have not seen a team directly attack a team like this in a long time. Like, just running down RSL's throats for the entire second half just super direct play running right through the middle of the field and being successful at it too it's yeah cincinnati like in the playoffs i'm excited well that's the thing hasn't it's not sure it's not certain yet but it's it's looking good and here's the thing about when you look at this you know compared to the idea of the playoffs like salt lake is a team that ruins some people's days you know that's oh not, hell yeah! It's not it's not a, a sorry San Jose, uh, it's not a San Jose situation <laughs> where it's like you know no. this is this is a this is a team we can sort of um, we can push around a little bit in, in, at this point in the season. Um, so that was a so that was an interesting result, and it was uh, wonderful to see. So, so before we move away from the. the Talk about the Western Conference, which I have been scrutinizing all of these points in the West. Let's just briefly run down. You talked a little bit about it a little before. Is there uh, sort of the, the spots as high as fourth are still like mathematically up for grabs because of um, the amount of teams, teams that some some of the teams have a uh, a one yeah. point um, have a one game in hand, but essentially. 4th through 11th is still up for grabs. New York City, Orlando, Cincinnati, and Miami are in with uh, 49, 45, 45, and 42. Uh, Columbus also sits on 42 with Miami in 8th. Atlanta is in 40th. Charlotte and New England are 38th apiece. So uh, Charlotte could technically... 
Charlotte is not in the, the numerically worst um, place, but New England might be it might be a little tough to imagine um, New England winning their remaining two and then having you know, everybody else lose because the the wins is the is the tiebreaker, which they do not yeah. have, which they don't have on Miami. So no. there is no E beside them, but the E just just imagine it. Yeah, I think you maybe pencil, <laughs> pencil it in there. Yeah, I've heard some rumblings too that maybe Bruce Arena has lost the locker room a little bit. And uh, I mean, I feel like there's been stuff that you've kind of seen simmer and boil over at points this season. But yeah, again, quite surprising to me. I, I feel like Bruce has done such good things for New England, um, and, but it just it just hasn't happened for them. There's been injuries and. Yeah, sometimes again, sometimes you have a good squad and you've got eleven good players, and it, it just doesn't land for you. But they are certainly beginning to feel like a, a team on the outside looking in. Quick question, because I I don't you know we we have a lot to talk about in the West as well. But uh, four teams that are in New York, Orlando, Cincinnati, Miami. Um, what's if any who's not going to make it? Who's going to not make it? Out of all of the Eastern Conference no, teams? I'm, or? I'm, I'm oh. saying of, of the teams in it, who's most likely yeah. to drop out? Oh. That is a really hard question. But my honest answer is I don't think any of them. I, I think the teams you see in the East right now above the playoff line are probably the teams most likely to hold it. Um, Miami, maybe. Miami, just because that's the wild card, right? Like, we don't know how they're going to perform, but given their form, I think that they can still hang on. I was going to ask that same question about um, the bottom teams. Obviously, I feel like I have your answer now. Uh, Columbus, (laughs) Columbus, Atlanta, Charlotte, New England, in terms of of those who's most likely to to pop back over the line. I think that Miami has has put together a more comprehensive argument than Columbus and Atlanta have. Um, I could be surprised by Charlotte. I could be surprised by Charlotte. Sure. I mean, and and given some of the results, to, totally within question, Columbus, I feel like, could perform well enough to hang on to eighth spot. <laughs> and that's maybe more where my brain is at rather than thinking these teams are good or bad. It's just that I, I think that Miami can hang on to where they are and Orlando and Cincinnati... I think are likely to to stay in a similar place just given their form. But, you know, Atlanta could have a very that's so MLS just like, you know, Joseph Martinez takes all his anger out on the goal for the last few games and somehow they climb up. But I think it's going to be tough. So in the Western Conference, this is obviously the the important, the, 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 the storyline uh, near and strange to our hearts um, Vancouver Whitecaps um, three uh, three match days um, totally fucked it up. Yeah, it wasn't the, good. The losses to uh, San Jose, to bad Colorado, to bad Nashville, um, very bad. All teams that absolutely the if they had an argument uh, if they wanted to to put together an argument for making the postseason that they had to win the. We took down of them. Um, and then 
something weird happens. You love when the team is only in mathematical amounts of possible of, of, of possibility in terms of of qualifying. Vancouver welcomes LA in, who is, themselves are, are above the team and trying to make it, and gets a three nothing win. And I like I fucking hate playing the Galaxy because even like we do beat them sometimes, but like they just always seem to screw us somehow. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're obviously a much better team than they've been in the past, and it just. It all it all works out. The Vancouver Whitecaps play well, and Galaxy just cannot seem to hit the mark to save their lives. So late, late <laughs> we, beat, we beat them three nil. Late Ricketts goal, and then love you know, it. You go and you look to Seattle, a team that is they are also trying to claw their way in. They've uh, for winning the Champions League, their their consecutive playoff appearances, they in jeopardy. They are. Um, they are in, in, in that situation of, of having to recover, um, and Vancouver beats them too. Yeah, I mean, truly, as much as, <laughs> as, much as we hate uh, playing Galaxy, man, I hate playing Seattle a lot more. Was uh, this the first win since 2017, or was that first home? Yeah, first win. <laughs> Five years we hadn't beat them. Um, and all it took was Ryan Gauld running nonstop for two consecutive games. Um, Pedro Vite, of course, had his first MLS goal in the Galaxy game, and he scored another one in this one, um, along with Julian Gressel. But, I, I mean, Ryan Gauld, I don't know if he just got fed up with it all and just decided to carry this team across the finish line, but I, I know that's not the case because across the board, the Whitecaps have looked really, really good. And in these two games against two good opponents, doing, like, really playing their best soccer. Uh, um, the, the Julian golf, Gressel hugely contributing in both matches as well. The golf pass to Vite uh, 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 is what was described as the... So, the that goal was described as the soccer orgasm. Right. It was good. It was good. I feel like... Sartini did emphasize soccer orgasm, not actual orgasm. I'm not sure that there is a difference, but and then of course, given uh, given that goal, I would forgive him for either. In these two, in these two games, we had these to see these amazing. Uh, um, you know, I feel like the players that we want us to succeed, like 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 Vite as well, but also you know the late goal from Saint Ricketts against the Galaxy, and then yeah. the screamer from Gressel, which Dude. I want to see Gressel. Make this, you know, the the circumstances of him coming here are, are tough for him. I want to see him have a a Brian White style redemption run. Uh, I want him. I want him to stay forever, and I just want him to score goals and get assists. That's all I want, and I don't want it for me. I want it for him. There was that. Uh, there was that weird, weird situation with a uh, a ball that went almost over the line, and the. Video assistant referee Jair Marufo said, oh, "Who's on my mug? Not looking worth, at a screen. Not worth looking at it. Um, this was a weird one. This is one where I think that anyone in the building was saying, what the heck? How is that not in? And for for the extent to which people, you know, um, get 
unhappy when they see VAR really slice and dice offsides, I, uh, offside calls. I feel like this is one of those ones where the rule of, like, it has to... Hole of the ball, hole of the line. I believe... I believe that if there was, you know, one tint of the ball that was on the line. Okay, I, I understand that. But you'd think that you can pull out... You'd think you could pull out the computer graphics. Just to be sure. Just to be sure! But do we have goal line technology in MLS? No. No, but right. I mean, like, you could still just sort of, like... I would. I would have given it a Eyeball shot. Eyeball it. <laughs> I would have I tried it. It would have been nice to have a review. I agree. From the angles that I've seen, I, I feel like you could make an argument there's a whisker of a ball on that line, and without the goal line technology, you wouldn't know. But, like, yeah. It's I mean, because clear and I obvious. guess the thing is, you ha- yeah, you, like, you've got to be ironclad sure to to overturn the decision, and... I'm, I'm, it sucks. I'm, 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 I don't think at all it's clear and obvious that it is 100% in the net. I think that it's clear and obvious that it's in the goal, though. So in which case, you know what I mean? Like, like, like any person. I, I get any, that's the, that is the thing. You're like at that point, like how much more in could it be? But the, of course, you're like a letter of the law is the whole of the ball is going to be over the whole of the line. It's certainly not forget out that, of the, like, it's certainly not the, out of the goal. It's hard when the ball is also, like, on the ground because, yeah. of course, it's a sphere. And so it's very – it's actually quite difficult to judge exactly where the, you know, the outermost edge of the ball and the outer, innermost edge of the line is. And at that point, it's like, well, what game are we playing now? Like, You make a good point. If, it's not Hawkeye. It's not Hawkeye. Yeah. It's, it's – and we wouldn't want it to be Hawkeye because – because that they do they do treat that from the footprint of the ball, not from the, the plane of the ball. We would want. To. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like we won, so I I don't care as much. <laughs> you know, like I have a much more forgiving attitude to these things when we win. Uh, Will Bruin got a late goal in this one, which kind of irked me because it just seems to happen. Um, Will Bruin loves to score goals against us, but can we just take a moment to to? I mean, I don't want to take any of the sheen off of these wins. Um, I do, I of course, I would like to rub in the fact that they played a 4-4-2 in back... I mean, and close enough to a 4-4-2 uh, in back-to-back games in one. Yeah. And they also had no Lucas Cavallini in both games, playing with a two-striker system and won both games. At which I don't mean to... Like, I'm not trying to stir the pot here. I'm just saying for a suspended player that supposedly has such a huge impact and then to lose him for four games and those two against tough opponents, you have a two-striker system. I mean, you could argue it takes two strikers to do what you could do with one Cavallini, but I don't think that's the case here. And I think it 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 just sort of pours some fire on the, uh, the arguments that it might be time to start thinking about a post-Cavallini era, just as I, like, warmed to the guy. And I'm not necessarily saying this should be it. But it's a compelling argument when your top striker is absent and you start winning your games. And we're not just talking about a, a freak bump here, I think. Like, marketably better. I, and I, I, don't think, I don't think Cavallini's been playing poorly, and it's not like he's not been scoring goals, but it, it's a lot of money to pay, pay a guy that, when it matters most, they don't seem to need, at least on paper. Just saying. 
Just saying, putting it out there. I have been seeing the Spandau Ballet classic gold as the as the Scottish supporters used to for him, uh, for for Ryan Gold, and I feel like the the presence and the 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 gallification of, of the offense will will always will all, is is provided so many benefits. Um, you can't have him run forever, being able to work, you know. Towards mm. some more stuff, in, but obviously, like having more people in the box has helped. There's no two ways yeah. about that. Um, LAFC, uh, mechanically, <laughs> I can say mechanically because it was good. LAFC took on Houston, and what you think would happen happened. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's okay to say. <laughs> um, I mean, in the you go ahead. <laughs> two mellow penalties. You can't say yeah. that that's a. You can't say that that's like you know the 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 height of the height of beautiful football, um, but it was fine. Ryan Holloway said score. That's good for him. Um, almost more interested in, in L.A. versus Colorado because Colorado has been good. L.A. has been rough. Can I just summarize one more point from the LA, LAFC game just for old Whitecaps memories? Please. I feel like this game can also be summarized by Tim Parker's foul in the sixth minute in which they concede the first penalty. And I'm like, that's kind of Houston season. And I just feel bad for Tim Parker back there on that back line. But, yeah, it's not been good for them. The LA Galaxy go to uh, take on Colorado and, and score uh, four goals in a red card before Colorado are able to score and Tomstein be leaving some sort of some sort of face. Yeah. There's another bummer bummer team for me. I thought Colorado had the the makings of a, a good good squad and seemed to be doing good things and they had a great season last year and uh, they just cannot get going this season. The late, like the late season form is all over the place for LA Galaxy, for Colorado, and for Seattle. It's impossible to predict whether or not it's gonna be a good week for any of those teams. Yeah, truly. Well, and apparently the Whitecaps just in the opposite direction. Like, we had consistency. It was just losing consistency. And now, yeah, <laughs> the the West is, it's it's all topsy-turvy. This is almost more scary. Yeah. And then LA Galaxy beat Colorado 4-1. One of the teams that I uh, have been most interested by in terms of doing, having a resurgence and and their potential um, to really uh, stir things up in the postseason. Austin FC had a 1-1 draw at home to Nashville. Mm. They had been, uh, I listened to um, Josh Wolf's interview with Grant Wall ahead of the Salt Lake game where they were they were really sort of uh, sizing that up as, this is the game where we can make sure we get in the playoffs and the game where, where we probably establish ourselves um, enough to uh, to get that home playoff game. They won that three nothing. Now they're up against Nash. Now they uh, they welcomed in Nashville, a club that has its own uh, its own desires uh, when it comes to the postseason. Um, that was a tight one one. That I would not be surprised if we uh, if we see this um, reprised in the next couple of months in the. Uh, uh, yeah that's very true man that was, that was a good game too like i, I love a, a setup like this like two western conference rival teams both 
having pretty good seasons. Obviously, Austin's a little better than Nashville's, but Nashville's still good. Uh, it was a really gritty game. Lots of just really driving shots. People just up for it and taking chances. And you also love to see it. The two golden boot leaders, the, uh, the, the rivalry between them, and they both score goals. Big games, big goals. Mukhtar and Druisi both score. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, it's a good, good game and good result for Nashville as well. Like you say, just kind of been a little inconsistent. But for how good Austin has been... I, yeah, like I said, it, it seems appropriate ends in a tie because we're probably going to see this matchup again before the end of this. Is there any... Uh, it's from Kansas City 4-1 Minnesota. That's not a good time for that to happen for Minnesota. Sure isn't. Yeah, Minnesota's... Minnesota's not been too good, eh? <laughs> but if we're if we're looking at the table, we're looking at the West, we've talked about the Eastern Conference. For you, we've got... Uh, so we've got LAFC, Austin, and Dallas who have clinched, right? We don't yeah. need to worry about them. We've got Nashville slightly ahead of Portland in fourth place. Portland with 46 points. Minnesota in sixth with 45. And LA Galaxy in seventh place with 43 points. So I will turn your question back on you. And let's just deal with the top half for now. Um, I don't know if that's easier or not. But of the fifth, sixth, or of the teams in the East that are above the line that haven't clinched, who do you think is most likely to drop below that line? I'm not worried about Nashville or Portland at all. Yeah. Um, I had kind of... Um, I had kind of been a little concerned about the... Uh, the... about LA. Like, I, I had kind of thought that, that maybe a, a, a last-minute... Uh, slippage of that away from them is, is was was in the cards, but if they can keep having results like that one against Colorado, that's going to be a different situation. Um, I would almost say, if only because I would love the team from Toronto to be replaced by Vancouver. I would love that. Um, in the scenario when that happens, uh, matches most with Minnesota being the team that drops, and Minnesota have this this strangely placed um, loss, you know, and, and, and had, a, had a little bit of a rough time uh, with it. Um, you know, the own goal for Michael Box, own goal with Michael Boxel, just not necessarily like Boxel, but it's just, yeah. just it wasn't going, wasn't going for him the way that he, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't going for them the way that they would have wanted. Um, I would, I would say that it would make sense for me get, uh, as richly fun as it would be for a Real Salt Lake to knock out LA Galaxy again. Um, yeah. I would say that it may, would would be more likely to see Galaxy stay in and it would be more likely to see Minnesota drop. Now, is, yeah. it, is it Vancouver? Vancouver's, any possibility for Vancouver is so remote I'm just having fun. There's no, there's no, you know. Yeah. They're yeah. Going, they're playing. They're take, they're welcoming in Austin at home. This has been as soon as they lost those three, it was essentially over. If that if it happens, I will be delighted. I was delighted these last two games. Wonderful yeah. time. That's all I want out of it. Um, you know, Austin is gonna. Who knows whether or not they're gonna be able to catch Austin in a in a good good or bad form out of it. Um, 
I would love it to be Vancouver. Um, of the three, of the four teams, um, I could definitely see it being Salt Lake. Like Salt Lake has good players, mm. and they have the they have the ability to, to get the good results to make it work. Unfortunately, they had that loss, but um, I think they are they are capable of uh, in, in in the best of those four teams in the best far and away the best points position. Um, yeah, because you know anyone any, anyone else needs a major miracle if it's not them to to creep up. But Seattle has a game in hand. The power of the game in hand. And that's LA has one too, and that's why I think LA is not a candidate to drop mm. out. Um, yeah. But Seattle could win to draw one and end up at forty six, which would be good enough to be sixth right now. Um, and I think that, that that if they can figure it out, you know, people keep talking about this. The the postseason streak. I think more importantly, the postseason streak, just the embarrassment of being Champions League winners and then not making the playoffs. Yeah, that could be motivation for sure. But I mean, also like they've been without, you know, one of their most instrumental players for basically since that Champions win, right? Like I think you you give that you give that back and all of a sudden you, you have a team that could be much higher. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, Seattle could still really fuck things up for some teams. <laughs> I don't feel as confident in that given how they played against the Whitecaps. The Whitecaps did play well, but Seattle played quite poorly. Like, for sure, it was just not their night and it, it felt like they could have come in and done something, something and it, it just wasn't there. But I, I think I agree. I think Galaxy are probably in it. I think Minnesota likely are. But I think they're going to be a little hot under the collar until decision day. Because if there's a team that's going to drop out, I, I definitely agree. I think it's Minnesota over Galaxy. Um, and I also agree with the Whitecaps assessment. Like, yeah, at, at this point, the fact that we're ninth and we beat Seattle and we beat Galaxy and we've had some good runs and different players are getting on the score sheet like yeah i'm i'm having a good time i appreciate the effort uh i don't have any serious ideas about getting above the playoff line and again if we do i will be there celebrating and being like amazing sartini forever but we got to do that first and it just doesn't seem very likely does it we could get to the point of you know minnesota loses to san jose we go down there in, in the last away game, somehow get the win, the away win, amazing, and then Seattle passes. Yeah, you know, the, it's not, and it could happen. It's it's not outside of the realm. I don't of want to speak it into existence. I just want to have a good time. I just want to have a good I just, time. I'm I just good. want to have nice things. I'm just gonna go into these games hoping for wins, hoping whatever happens happens, and and, and that's how I'll be how I'll be seeing it. I agree. Um, as we wrap up here, I just wanted to do a little throwback here. Uh, since we've been doing this show for five years, I just yeah! thought it would be kind of kind of fun to take a, a slight wander down memory lane. And I just wanted to bring you a couple of MLS news items from August of 2017. Oh, man. And it's nothing too, too great. It's nothing salacious. But just to remind you of how far we've all come and how things can 
change on you. Um, in August 2017, Toronto was top of the East and the entire league with 69 points. Nice. Yeah. That is not the current situation. Um, <laughs> Portland and Seattle were tied with 53 points in the West. And do you know who was in third place behind them? I'm going to uh, Kansas City. No, it was the Vancouver Whitecaps. Wow. Yeah. The last of the Robbo era, I believe, and the, their highest finish since that point. Oh, I remember they made a... They, they... Right, because remember we had the triad of Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver all switching places at the top of the table that year. That's right. And then the Whitecaps went to play somebody either in Spain the first round. And then that was when, that was when I was living in a... Uh, a, a rental house in, in um, after immediately after moving to St. John. <laughs> wow. Now, if you were like, wow, things have really changed a lot, um, I have one for you that might, uh, for some of you listening, might bring up some pain, and one that you might think, okay, well, maybe things have changed, but bottom of the table was DC United and LA Galaxy. <laughs> so, you know, for DC, look... Keep dreaming, uh, keep trying, things can and do get better. LA Galaxy got marginally better, so, yeah. Anyway, that that's all from August 2017, but I just thought we'd cast our minds back a bit to, uh, oh, that season when Vancouver was really good. How thrilled, how thrilled uh, am I that you, um, that you reached out to ask me, why aren't we already hosting a, a, a soccer podcast? I've had a, an absolute thrill. And, uh, and I'm happy to 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 uh, have reached five years with you and, and to look back on this wonderful time. Yeah, I believe this is now my uh, my second longest relationship of uh, <laughs> of oh, any God. notes. <laughs> I know, but it's it's crazy to me that it has been five years. But same, man. Especially over the last couple of years, <laughs> now as things just continue to. Circle the drain, it feels sometimes. Boy, do I look forward to talking about soccer with you, man. Absolutely. And I mean that. Whew. Me too. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Until the next time that I get to speak with you, uh, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Instagram and Twitter at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at thatsomls.com and on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get podcasts. Where can we find you? Um, well, I was going to say that you can find me at Canada Game Stadium this weekend um, calling the the, uh, the BSJ Seawolves. Uh, soccer season has just begun as a as a stadium announcer. Um, but we have a hurricane, and they're not doing yeah. it this weekend. So yeah. <laughs> on yeah. Saturday. The Saturday, as you hear this now, I am told that the Saturday game is not happening. I have not been told anything about the Sunday game. Um, this is all going to be... Whenever you hear it, both these games, who knows when? You, the looking back in history, maybe that, that's not useful information. But we are looking at Hurricane Fiona. We are probably going to get paintbrushed by it. But it has not been a nice day to be outside today. Uh, it was. Yeah, nice. I mean, there's probably a question I could have started with was, are you actually in the direct path of this hurricane? Like, how worried do I need to be here? <laughs> uh, I'm just sort of like we're in the parade path of the hurricane. We're watching. Sure. The, 
We're watching. Not that you want to be on any part of a hurricane, but we're watching the procession. We might get a little bit, uh, like the water guns might get us a little bit, but but hopefully okay. And, and of course, thinking of our friends in, in Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and Quebec that are that are going to be in the direct path. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, people, please look after yourselves and take the necessary precautions because that looks like a really enormous storm and uh, we want everyone to be safe and well. So next week, uh, if you see uh, a table full of chicken and rice, uh, eat it and don't get sent off. <laughs>